Well, today we're continuing our message series called Beyond Borders, and at the very end of this series, which is going to be on December 12th, we're going to have a Faith Promise Sunday uh, with a missionary, Jason, and his wife, and uh, they are called to a restricted access country. We can't publicly talk about it or even uh, say their names in public, but we want to be sure that you plan to be here for that concluding Sunday, uh, and on December 12th, the second Sunday in in. December for the conclusion of the Beyond Borders series. Today our topic is called Eyes on the Prize, and we're going to be talking about the importance of faith. Now we need faith in order to be saved, but that's just the beginning of a life of faith. Missionaries need great faith because they're answering God's call often to difficult and dangerous mission fields. Faith is not simply about believing a correct doctrine, it certainly is that, but true faith in God produces acts of faith, acts of faith that are done in and through our lives to expand God's kingdom and to impact our world. And so we need a growing faith to believe God in our own lives. We need a growing faith to believe God to save lost relatives who do not yet know Him. We need great faith to believe God to work through us as a church family to reach more and more people for Jesus. Now, faith has no power in and of itself. One common misconception of faith is that there is value in just believing in something, anything strongly, no matter what that is. And so many people believe that God will accept people of all religions simply because they have faith. They have faith in their religion, whether it's Islam, Buddhism, Christianity, as long as you have faith, it's all good. But that's simply not true. All religions do not worship the same God. All religions do not teach the truth. Common sense teaches us that the object of our faith matters. If you're standing on the top of a building and you have great faith and you believe you can fly and you leap off, it doesn't matter how strongly you believe in that. You're going to hit the pavement below and it's going to be a disaster. And so our faith must be in the one true God who's revealed himself in Scripture and revealed himself through his Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Matthew 17, 20, because, speaking to his disciples, he said, because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. And so true faith in the one and living God results in action. So in this scripture, Jesus explains that true faith is able to speak to a mountain and see it move. Now, Jesus didn't have in mind, you know, moving Mount Everest from the, wherever it is, in Tibet, I guess in Tibet, I think, to St. Louis. You know, if you have enough faith, you can move Everest. He was talking about metaphorical mountains. You know, we all face mountains in our lives, things that stand in the way of us achieving God's purpose for our life. And God says, if you have enough faith, no matter what difficulty you're facing in life, you can move that mountain or God will move that mountain as we have faith in him. And so our faith is not in the power of our own words. Our faith is in God, a God who responds to faith and is able to move mountains, for nothing is impossible for God. And so faith empowers missionaries to be bold witnesses to places that are very dangerous in our world. 
And so today I'd like us to watch a video of uh, Assembly of God missionaries that are going to a restricted access country of Iran. Uh, all mission work of any kind is, is, is totally restricted in Iran. And uh, you'll notice in this video that everybody's faces are blurred out um, for protection of the people. And it's called No Little Book. So we're going to pray for those missionaries uh, at the end of the service, but pray that their example would encourage us to have the faith, to take risks to spread the gospel right here in St. Louis. Uh, they, even though they're trying to be as careful as possible, there is certainly great risk in spreading the gospel to the people of Iran. Now today we're going to look at one of the most best-known chapters in the Bible on faith, Hebrews chapter 11. And our first question is, what is faith? To understand what faith is, we need to look to what the Bible says and how God defines faith. Faith is not belief in just anything that we could dream up. Faith is not belief in ourselves. It's not belief in our words. It's, it's not belief in our concept of God. It's not belief in luck. Uh, faith believes in the unseen God. If you haven't already taken out the white page in the middle of your program, I encourage you to take that out. Uh, has the outline and the verses written out there as well. On the back is a study guide that you can use on your own, or we go over it in many of the life groups as well. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And so faith has to do with believing in things, not the things we can see with our eyes. It doesn't take great faith to believe that you guys are sitting out there. Uh, faith is believing in things that can't be seen. And the ultimate object of our faith is the unseen God. God is spirit, and we can't see him with our natural eyes. But faith is convinced that God is real, even though we can't see him. And not only is God real, but he is a God who makes promises and then keeps his promises. And therefore, when we put our faith in God's promises, we have the assurance that what we hope for, what God has promised, will come to pass in the future. And so not only is faith the, uh, the uh, conviction of things we can't see, it also reaches into the future and believes that the things that God has promised will come to pass. Now, uh, I'd encourage you to read the entire chapter of Hebrews 11 this week. We're not going to have time to go over all the verses, but uh, it's going to make more sense to you if you read the whole thing. And we're going to see that Hebrews 11 lists many heroes of the faith. And these heroes of faith from the Bible, not everyone received what they hoped for in their lifetime. But they did receive what they hoped for in eternity. And so faith impacts future generations down through time. Faith not only believes in the unseen God, faith believes in the creator God. This unseen God is the one who created heaven and earth. Verse 3, it says, by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And so faith looks backward to creation. Genesis chapter 1 tells us that the universe, not just the earth, the entire universe was created from nothing. There was a time when nothing existed and God spoke and everything came into existence. The universe was created. God spoke and plants and animals were created on this earth. God spoke, and man himself was created. And God continues to exercise control over the entire universe. 
faith believes that nothing is impossible for the God who created the universe. Now, as we said, true faith is not simply believing a certain doctrine in the Bible. It's not simply believing that God wants to bless us. Faith is not a blind leap. Sometimes people talk about faith as a blind leap without any evidence. We have evidence. It's not a blind leap. We have the written Word of God. Faith is not a belief in in anything other than the one true Creator God. Now, Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, which nobody knows who it was, uh, the writer of Hebrews was addressing believers who had undergone persecution in Rome. And they were facing further persecution in the future, and from church history we know it was even worse. And so they needed a strong faith so that their commitment to Jesus Christ would remain strong even under persecution. In America today, we face increasing opposition to a Christian witness. Thank God we can still gather together in worship, but there's increasing opposition to Christianity and uh, true Christian witness in America today. And so our personal faith must be in a living God who promises to never leave us. That kind of faith is a part of our witness. We mustn't give in to fear. We mustn't give in to intimidation. But we must be convicted and assured that the things that we believe in are true. The things that we believe in are things that everyone should believe in. And we should continue to witness to those who have not yet become believers. Our faith needs to continue to grow. Our faith grows as we study God's Word, as we pray, as we serve God together with other believers. And that faith that we have results in confident action. Hebrews 11 verse 4 says, By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commended him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. And so the 11th chapter of Hebrews goes through an extensive list, almost 40 examples of believers in the Old Testament who demonstrated faith in many different ways. The common factor in each example was that the believer, by faith, took confident action in difficult circumstances. They did something. They obeyed God and did something in obedience to God. The first story that's described in Verse 4 is the story of Cain and Abel, two brothers. These two brothers, Cain and Abel, offered sacrifices to God. But only Abel's sacrifice was accepted by God. Genesis does not tell us what the difference between the two brothers' sacrifices was or what was the difference between the two brothers was. Why was one sacrifice accepted and the other was not? But we see in Hebrews 11, for what the difference was. And the difference was Abel offered his sacrifice by faith. And Cain did not. Now the story in Genesis continues with Cain being warned by God to not give in to sin. And he did anyhow. And he killed his brother Abel. And so Abel died. Even though he had faith. Even though he did the right thing. He was killed by his brother, but yet Abel is living in God's presence. And this verse tells us that he's still speaking today through the story that we read in Genesis. He's present with God 
and Cain is, uh, is not. Faith always pleases God. Next verse takes us to another, another hero of faith. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And so Genesis chapter 5 tells us about another man, a man named Enoch who walked with God. And he basically disappeared, he vanished because God took him straight to heaven. He never died. In your study guide are a number of other scriptures about Enoch that you can read as well that are He's mentioned a number of times uh, in the scripture. But what enabled Enoch to walk so close to God? It was faith. It says, by faith, Enoch pleased God. He pleased God in all of his life. He pleased God so much that God took him straight to heaven and said, you know, I want you with me right now. I'm going to take you right into my presence without going through death. And so in the first two examples, we have Different consequences in people's earthly lives, do we not? Two people who please God through faith, the first one was Abel, and he ended up dying. But yet he had eternal life. The second one was Enoch. Enoch didn't die at all. He was taken straight into God's presence. Both men pleased God. Both men exercised their faith in doing something that pleased God. Confident action. Enoch walked with God. He was not because God took him. Verse 6 summarizes what we've learned so far. Faith believes in God's reward. Verse 6, very important verse. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him, speaking of God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And so the writer of Hebrews here makes this mini conclusion in, in chapter 11, concluding that faith is required to please God. You cannot please God without faith. It's impossible to please God without having faith. And to please God, we must believe two things. The first thing is you have to believe that God exists. I mean, if you're an atheist and don't believe that God exists, you cannot please God. You have no faith. If you're an agnostic and you're not sure whether God exists, you can't please God because you don't believe that He exists. Secondly, you must believe that God rewards those who seek Him. God is not just out there somewhere letting the universe roll the way He set up rules and regulations. God is intimately involved with His creation. He's intimately involved with people. He rewards those who seek Him. If you seek God you're going to be able to have a relationship with him. He's going to reward that seeking. In fact, that's why God created people. It tells us in Acts. He created us so that we would seek after God and find him. God wants his creation. God wants the people he created to find God and have a relationship with him. Now, the third implicit condition here in pleasing God is you have to actually seek God. I mean, you have to believe He exists. You have to believe that He's going to reward those who seek Him. And then you have to seek Him. If you just believe those two things and don't seek God, it's all for naught. And what does it mean to seek God? To seek God is to seek to obey Him, to seek to please Him, to seek to walk with Him, to draw near to Him. And that kind of faith, seeking to please God, results in confident actions in our lives. 
The book of James puts it this way. He says, James says, faith without works is dead. In other words, if somebody claims to have faith, but you see no evidence or actions in their life of pleasing God, of walking with God, then the faith that they claim to have is not real faith. Just because people claim something doesn't mean it's true. Many people claim to be Christians, but they are not because they do not have that faith that results in actions. By faith, a believer offers up their life to God. By faith, a believer walks with God. By faith, a believer pleases God. By faith, a believer draws near to God and and seeks Him, not just on Sundays, but day in and day out. And that kind of living faith reproduces itself in other people through the Spirit's power. Jesus said in Acts 1.8, you will be my witnesses. People who have a true faith will be witnesses for Jesus. And their actions will be confirmed by their words. True faith actually reaches into eternity. And we're skipping from verse 6 to 39. That means you have 33 verses to read this week. Uh, between 6 and 39. And it goes through many heroes of the faith. Uh, some we would say were greatly successful in this life. Others were tortured, were persecuted, were even killed for their faith. But they were all people who had faith and pleased God. Verse 39 summarizes. It says, all of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. And so what was promised to every person, if you read through there, is that Every person in faith was promised that they would live in a heavenly city with God forever. The Old Testament believers believe that. The Old Testament believers look forward to a coming Messiah who would make forgiveness and eternal life possible. But they had not yet seen Jesus. Jesus had not yet come down. Jesus had not yet died or been resurrected. We as New Testament believers look back on the sacrifice of Christ some 2,000 years ago And his sacrifice and resurrection made forgiveness and eternal life possible for us. And so faith reaches into eternity. And so they please God and they believe that one day they would spend eternity with God. And we will see them in heaven, the Old Testament believers who believed in God in the future, believing that God had a reward for them. Faith motivates us in life's race. Read a couple of verses from the next chapter. Chapter 12 begins with therefore. Therefore, because of all these heroes of the faith, because of all these people that walk with God and please God, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, the cloud of witnesses is the people that have gone before us, the people mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And so the faith of those people that we read about, the reason that Hebrews chapter 11 is in the Bible is to motivate us in the race of life. Now, these heroes of faith are called in this verse a cloud of witnesses. They are witnesses. They are witnesses to the power of God in their lives that God rewarded those who sought Him by faith. All the witnesses in Hebrews 11 finished the race of life. And they received their reward. And one day we're going to be with them if we finish 
our race. And so that faith that they had, our faith should motivate us to finish our race of life and receive our reward as well. And what what must we do to follow their example? The verse tells us, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. If we don't, sin can derail us. Sin can knock us off the racetrack. Sin can cause us not to finish the race. Secondly, let us run with endurance the race. We can just give up. Some people just give up and fall away from God. We must run without giving up until we reach the end of the race. And we notice from all the faith heroes in chapter 11 of Hebrews that no two races are the same. Everybody had a different race in life. They went through different things. They faced different challenges. But they all had a start and they all had a finish. And the same is true for us. We all started one point when we gave our lives to Jesus Christ and there's going to be a finish one day. We're either going to die and go to heaven or Jesus is going to come back before then. And so not only should we be motivated by the cloud of witnesses, by the people that are mentioned, the heroes of the faith in Hebrews chapter 11, faith fixes our eyes on Jesus. Verse 2 of 12 says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so the ultimate example of somebody who finished the race is Jesus Christ. He was a human being. He was fully God and fully man. He was born, and his life ran a course for 33 years. He is the one who imparted faith to us, and he is the one who will perfect our faith. Now, the race for Christ involved dying on the cross. We notice in the Garden of Gethsemane, he, he didn't want to do it. He didn't want to go through it. He knew it would involve great suffering. And yet, because it was the race that God had ordained for him, it was the race that he came to this earth to run, he finished that race. And he went through death on the cross for you and me. And God raised him from the dead. And now he is seated in heaven with all power and authority. And so not only is Jesus the greatest example of finishing the race, and we need to follow in his footsteps if we're followers of Jesus Christ, Jesus is the prize that we receive in finishing the race. In fact, I picture him as standing on the goal line, encouraging us on. Uh, He's there, and he wants us to be where he is. And he's there rooting us on. He's there encouraging us to finish the race that he's given us. And this verse says we must look to Jesus. We must keep our eyes fixed on him. Temptation is to look at the other people running, to check at the runners ahead of us or the runners behind us. Or, you know, there are really two racetracks. There's a narrow track that leads to heaven and there's a very wide track that leads to the other place, that leads to hell. And we might be tempted to look at all the other people running on this big race over there. And there's not as many runners on our race. We need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus who is at the finish line of the narrow racetrack. Keeping our eyes on Him as we run the race of life. Faith reaches into eternity. Faith 
sees beyond the day-to-day and looks to Jesus, looks to heaven. And so everyone in this list of faith heroes, as we go through Hebrews chapter 11, including Jesus, had to endure suffering in order to finish the race of life. The readers of the book of Hebrews had faced persecution and were facing increased persecution and suffering in Rome. In fact, they, they endured horrendous suffering under the emperor Nero in Rome, these same readers. The Bible tells us that everyone who desires to live a, God, to live a godly life will be persecuted. Everyone who desires to be a witness for Jesus Christ will face opposition and suffering of one kind or another. But in this verse, it says that Jesus... It says, for the joy set before him endured the cross. He saw the suffering and the pain that was going to come to him on the cross, but but he, he looked beyond that. He looked beyond the pain. He looked beyond the suffering to the joy that would one day be his. And what was the joy that Jesus was looking forward to? Well, it was the joy of being raised from the dead and being with his father again, but it was the joy of having all the people who would believe in him be with him in eternity. That's why he did it. If there were no sinners on this earth, he wouldn't have had to die. But there were, including me and you. And so he looked forward to the joy of being with those who would come to put their faith in him. And we also look forward to the joy of being with Jesus in eternity. We look past the suffering that we're going to have to endure. We look past the persecution that is going to come our way. And we endure that for the joy of being with Jesus. And we look forward to the joy of being with other believers in heaven forever. Those that we have led to the Lord, family members who are believers, we're going to be with them forever. That's what we have to look forward to. And so whatever you're going through in life today, and each of us is going through a bit of pain in one place or another, have faith in God. Believe that God exists and believe that He rewards those who seek Him. And seek Him each and every day. Stand firm in your faith. Take confident actions in your life to please God. And even if you don't see an immediate reward, know that God will keep His word. Our faith reaches into eternity. Faith can continue working even in future generations. And we see that in these Old Testament heroes. They believe God. They didn't see the promises fulfilled in their lifetime, but they ultimately were fulfilled. There are stories of people who have prayed for people to be saved. And they weren't even saved in the person's lifetime, but after the person died, they were saved. Their faith reached beyond their own lifespan. And their prayers brought someone into the kingdom. And so as we look back at the heroes of faith in the Bible, as we look at Jesus, we pray that it would motivate us to run life's race and to never give up. Keeping our eyes on Him, keeping our eyes on the prize, keeping our eyes on the finish where Jesus stands, encouraging us on. So in order to become a believer, and that's really where the race begins, the race on the narrow road, 
We need to admit that we've sinned. That we are on a road, a wide road, that's leading to destruction. We have to admit it. Along with most of the people in the world are traveling along this road that leads to eternal torment. We need to believe that Jesus died on the cross to forgive us. Ask Him to forgive us, to come into our lives and commit our lives to following Him in the race of life as our Lord and Savior. So I'd like to ask you to bow your heads right now. And Yes? Um, Let's hold that till after the prayer. Okay? So let's bow our heads right now and... If you have never prayed a prayer like this, I encourage you to pray along with me. Perhaps you'd like to recommit your life to Jesus Christ as well. And that would be a good time to recommit your life to following Him in this race of life. Pray something like this. Father, today, I admit that I've sinned. I admit that I've not been running the race of life the way You want me to run it. been doing my own thing. I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that you died on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven. I believe that you're alive today. You rose from the dead. And I invite you into my life. I commit my life to following you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for coming into my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.